This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is a special episode of Dumb Bleep of the Year. This is one of our recap episodes for the uh, the voting for Dumb Bleep of the Year. So we're going to be covering each month, and then the winners of each month will go into a quarterly semifinal, and then we'll bring that into the final four. And of course, the live group, the Fed Haters Club, will be voting on what's going to win Dumb Bleep of the Year. The winner will get a trophy that says that they won Dumb Bleep of the Year. And the person who submitted that specific Dumb Bleep in the live group, or it could be on Twitter, or it could just be me, will get a trophy to put on their mantle at home. So let's get in to Dumb Bleep of the Year. California Reparations Task Force calls for eliminating child support debt for black residents. Number six is actually just going to be only white people are capable of making decisions because there's a few things through here. This is a, the BetterHelp ads over, by the way. This mm-hmm. is a separate section yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the moment. These are our own thoughts. These are our own thoughts, not theirs. They do don't with... agree with anything necessarily that we have to yeah. say. Except that everyone needs to talk to a mental health professional. They probably, they, they could benefit. You could, yeah, that's right. You know, not guaranteed or anything. Mm. It's just helped me and it helped you. Yes. Better. Help. Yes. California, this is this is 6.1 right now. California Reparations Task Force calls for eliminating child support debt for black residents. Uh, the California Reparations Task Force is asking the Democrat-controlled state legislature to eliminate interest, this is one part, interest on past due child support, as well as any back child support debt for black residents of the state. But wh- I know. Where is that money going? Not to... Mostly black mothers. <laughs> that I, I'm warning you, Charlie, don't try to make sense of this or you're going to go nuts. Okay. The group claimed that distri- discriminatory laws have torn African-American families apart. And that one effect of that is the harms caused by, quote, the disproportionate amount of African-Americans who are burdened with child support debt. 
to pay for your child? They had kids and they're burdened with having the responsibility for their own children. <sighs> mm. Yes. Nearly the nearly 1100 page document stated that black Californians represent a larger percentage of those who owe child support debt than their proportion of the state's population, which means it must be racist. You know, when you look at proportionally, mm-hmm. uh, they also claim the 10% interest the state charges on back child support hinders their ability to finance further education, attend job training, find employment, to maintain housing. Well, that's not false, <clears throat> by the way. That's true. Owing child support, having, having an obligation to make a payment is going to hinder other things in your life. It will, yes. You know how you stop that? Either one, stop having children, mm-hmm. or two, keep the family together. And you're going to have to, yeah, keep the family together or get a better job. Like, it's just, who? how is it other people's responsibility? That is the question. The report cited a 2003 California Department of Child Support Services study that estimated 27% of owed child support in the state was unpaid interest. And that those who owed child support had lower incomes than the typical California worker. Now, when it comes to the interest side of this, what I wonder is, and I know I know what the answer probably is, does the interest go to, let's say the father's paying child support to the mother. Does the interest go to the mother or does the interest go to the state? I think it's probably the state who regulates. Okay. Because in some states, like child support has to pass through the state and then the okay. state issues the check. Gotcha. So of course, there's administration costs to of that. Of course, yeah. And, you know, they're not going to pay it. Now, the so. interest part is important. To me, it's important. One, it's, a, it's an incentive to pay it so you don't accrue the interest. And two, the interest would be very important if it went to the mother. For instance, if the mother was owed $500 five years ago, she doesn't need to receive $500 this year. She needs to receive the interest because there has been inflation throughout that time. Mm-hmm. And five hundred dollars today is not worth as much as five hundred dollars five years ago was. Well, and so worth the same yesterday. No. And so the interest <laughs> helps take care of that part, but likely the interest goes to the state. And so the only incentive is to try and incentivize people to pay the child support. And so getting rid of the interest part. Okay, well, you still want to pay for the administration paying out the checks and stuff like that, if if that is the case. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, we just talked about that part. They talk about the debt. They have two things, the interest, and then they also recommend that some of the debt be forgiven, the child support debt be forgiven. What does that mean? Does that mean the mothers don't get the child support, or does it mean the state doesn't get the child support, but they still pay it out, and so the taxpayers pay the child support, Meaning other people. Well, you know, Nate, it takes a village. <laughs> I guess. I guess it requires a village in some villages. It takes a village. Yeah. No, all we're doing is, like, all this stuff that you see, we're just abdicating responsibility for people. Mm-hmm. The decisions that they make. Like, look, <clears throat> I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I had a child out of wedlock. His mother and I. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah. His mother and I did not get married. Um, and I pay child support. Mm-hmm. I do, among a lot of other things that I pay for. But I don't blame anyone else. It's not anyone else's fault that I'm in this position. Yeah. I made a decision a long time ago that wasn't the, my best choice. Hindsight's twenty twenty. of course. You go back and you're like, nah. mm, shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah. 
But then, like, I now I have this, like, miracle child who's growing up, screaming in the background sometimes when I'm on calls, which is fine, but also who's just, like, joyous and fun and loving, and it's my obligation to take responsibility for the decisions that I made, and also just to, like, be a decent father. Like, mm-hmm. you... This is your responsibility. Doing, we just keep... We just keep allowing people to be victims of the decisions that they make and have no responsibility in it whatsoever. Like, it's very obvious that if you do a certain thing that we can't talk about on air, Mm. you know, then there's a potential for a life to be conceived. Could happen. Yeah. And then, therefore, you're responsible for that Mm -hmm. life. And it's, it's like, oh, man. I just can't anymore. We s- I'm at the point that I can't. Well, the thing is, you know, what we have to do, and I was wanting to talk to you about this yesterday, some, is we can't focus on changing what these people believe. Um, all we can do is talk to people who are willing to listen, who share some of the same beliefs that we do. And all we can do is change how we react to these people and how and how much we allow them to... Uh, pull these things over on us and steal from us and keep and keep subsidizing bad decisions and taxing good ones. We can't fix those people. Maybe they can be fixed over time, but all we can do is talk to these people that are listening on the podcast and we can all decide how we are going to react to and interact with these people uh, and live our lives in the way that's going to set up the right incentive structure. The only incentive structure for those people to have to be better or, uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can get behind that. Yeah, I know. But I was just, that was a test. I think Bailey brought up a good point <clears throat> and I like, I might say something that might sting Nate here, but, <clears throat> but I think this is something that Jordan Peterson talked about not that long ago, which is people, it's almost nearly impossible to grow up as a, as an adult, as a person until you have children. And that's how important it is. Now, some people can do it, but it's extremely difficult. And what Bailey says here is one of the reasons why. And I honestly think it's one of the reasons we see that this rise of like entitlement or, or narcissistic tendencies, whatever you want to talk about. It's because Bailey says here, it's almost like we shouldn't view kids as burdens and just grow up and realize that you are no longer the center of your universe. Mm. And what Jordan Peterson <clears throat> talked about in the video is that until you have something that you care more about than yourself, right? Which is what children do to you. You, It's like that something happens, and as soon as you see them for the first time, you're like, I would die for that kid. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, you can get there without having kids, and some people can't have kids, and they can still grow up and be great adults. But I think a lot of people struggle with not realizing that they're no longer this, like they're the center of their universe, right? Until they have something that they're willing to, to grow up for, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw this in my own life, you know, somebody who abdicated responsibility and didn't grow up until never hundred I mean, hours still struggles, but at least after 40, you know, Oh, grew up a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know who you were talking about in my own life. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Different narcissist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. My bad. Um, thought it was going to be a TBD type situation. Well, I mean, there's others, but I think, <laughs> I think that's also 
this whole problem surround like this entitlement. What we talked about with that DoorDash video, all of this other stuff, like these people Mm -hmm. that are, that are entitled, I think our culture, um, the birth rate is at an all time low. You have fewer and fewer parents who know, who don't understand what it's like to have the responsibility of something that you care more about than yourself. Well, the problem is even the people who do have those kids, uh, we've, told them that it's not their responsibility and they accept that. So they never actually have to change the way that people do when they have parents. And so then you just, they become victims of the fact that they are a parent and it becomes everyone else's responsibility to, to take care of this situation that they've been put in by society, you know, probably because of the Supreme court, you know, getting rid of Roe v. Wade or something like that. Yeah. But it's also, well, like I said, you can still have kids and then choose to be absent Mm-hmm. And then therefore you're still pushing off your responsibility. Yeah. You know, most of the time mothers can't do that. Although some do, right. Yeah. You know, like, especially those that are like addiction. If you just look at the, the stats, like when you have something in life that you're choosing over like what the most important thing should be, right. Like you're abdicating that responsibility. You still haven't grown up. You still have to decide like, okay, I now have something that is, worth more to me than my own personal endeavors. And it's not that your personal endeavors aren't important, right? But now on the list, the hierarchy list, there, there's someone that's further up now and that they have to become more important than your own self. And that, that forces you to take responsibility and forces you to grow up and forces you to be a kind person <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah, but in all of this, Charlie, you're forgetting slavery. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> Thomas Sowell talks a lot about this, the decline of the nuclear family and, and the black community. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like the, it's not like we don't have the data. I mean, it's not like we don't have the data to back it up. We'll so. dive into that. Um, yeah, the, definitely all of that is backed up. Um, it's, it's a problem. And you actually go back 100 years ago, the... Uh, families were more likely to stay intact and <laughs> yeah. doing better than they are right now. Uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll go through that. We're still inside of dumb bleep number six. And again, that doesn't always work out for everyone's situation. Like I'm not saying that you should stay in abusive situations, obviously. Like I'm, I don't support that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should do everything you can to, to, to choose that responsibility over your own selfish desires. And that's, that's what creates a better society. That's why, conservatives arguing for the nuclear family is so important. I mean, yep. if you, like the data are in, it's there, it's available. I think um, someone just did a Ted talk recently that talks about the act, the most important person in a child's life based on data is the father. Speaking of yes. I'm going to play this video. This is Jin Saki saying that Muslims can't make their own decisions. Of course, it's white people that make those decisions. Let's talk about that real quick. Still in dumb leap number six. Hear me out here. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the U.S. population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans, transgender people. It's important to remember that back in 2011, during the Republican primary, the right wing had designated Muslim Americans as public enemy number one. No surprise, given that conspiracy theorists 
remember the birthers? I do. Had been trying for years to portray President Obama as a Trojan horse for Sharia law. Republican after Republican candidate ginned up fear about the fabricated threat posed by an Islamic legal doctrine debated by scholars for centuries. To them, the imaginary prospect of Sharia law in this country was scarier than gun violence, climate change, and more important to discuss than, say, millions of people who didn't have health care. I do not believe. Okay, we'll go to this this part here. So what Jen Psaki is saying, Charlie, because you had to go uh, be a father there for a minute while that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen, you know, these trans... I should have blamed California. That was, yeah. It was the fact that my yeah. child's interrupting my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had these trans conversations. And in fact, in some places around the country, you've seen Muslim Americans join in with the... Christian conservative right wing and uh, not agreeing with, um, say, I don't know, bathroom policies and pronoun policies and uh, Pride Month displays and things like that. And so Jen Psaki on her new show called Inside Jen Psaki, um, <laughs> it's, uh, she makes the case that it's actually Is white. Is really what it's called? No, Inside with Jen Psaki oh. is the, uh, the name of it. <laughs> I've just always wanted to call it Inside Gensaki. And so I finally got to do that. So on her show, she says that it's actually just these white people uh, that are coercing these Muslim Americans that are using them and coercing them into being against these LGBTQ2S plus issues. I can't. Right now. I can't even focus. And... There's just nothing to back that up. Once again, the first one, you know, that basically only white people can make their own decisions. That's what we know. And only white people have agency. When you say that uh, it's white people making Muslims have issues with this uh, trans thing, the culture wars that's been happening, it's just not quite the case. Here's a group of countries where it is illegal in some way for, for people to have consensual same-sex sexual acts going all the way from up to eight years in prison to death penalty. Okay. Now, if you look at that group of countries, I want you to focus real hard on where you see those countries Mm -hmm. that are lit up right now. Here's a group of the Islamic countries of the world. All the white people live. (laughs) Yes. It's the predominant white supremacy is what you're seeing. Here's the countries where it is illegal to be gay Mm -hmm. uh and here's another group of countries that happen to be islamic countries of the world (laughs) but no it's just um it's just those white people that are making this happen yeah right now okay how can you say that seriously (laughs) because she's a racist that's why and she's an elitist racist who believes that no minorities can think for themselves and that they're all waiting for her Jin Saki wisdom to be implanted into their brains. All right. So the, the last part here, when it comes to the affirmative action ruling, uh, this is someone saying that she's, uh, she's excited. This is a, uh, I'm, uh, I'm guessing to be an Asian person who's commenting here saying, I told my daughter today's a big day. They've ended affirmative action. Uh, is that what you've been fighting? What, what you've been fighting for, she asked. Yes, I said. 
uh, to her daughter. Jamel Hill says, I can't wait until she, your daughter, reads that you gladly carried water for white supremacy and stabbed the folks in the back whose people fought diligently for Asian American rights in America. Now, <laughs> this is a case where Asian people were literally getting held out of colleges because they were Asian and black people were being let in because they were black. And if you're an Asian person who is upset about that, then you're carrying water for white supremacy. For Yeah. Makes sense. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're coming up on the holiday season, and honestly, I used to dread this part of the year. Seriously, did. Uh, it can be so stressful trying to find gifts, coordinate schedules. You guys ever try to schedule with your family during the holidays? Uh, plus, to me, it's always marked the passing of yet another year. And when I say that out loud, I can't believe that I used to look at that as a bad thing, the passing of another year. Not everyone gets that. But adding something new and positive can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress, just like it was for me when I tried it. That's right. Doing therapy worked for me, and it can work for you, too. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. It's not just going to be the ACLU. This is going to be Protect Trans Kids. Thought we should throw in a nice, fun culture war conversation. And while you mentioned it, there's another organization similar to the ACLU, but they actually care about real things. Yes, it's, it's like the FIRE. Old, old ACLU. Called FIRE. Um, can't remember what it stands for. At I think this it's moment. a foundation for individual rights and expression. That's right. So ACLU is fire is kind of a cool acronym. Yeah, uh, they are fighting against a bill in uh, where is it? Where's the state? Louisiana. Louisiana. It's the ACLU of Louisiana. They are fighting against a bill that would uh, ban transgender reassignment uh, treatments or surgeries for minors. And so they are suing because that is government overreach, according to this ACLU. Yeah. The fact that you can't cut your kid's penis yes. off. I know. What? As government overreach. How are we supposed to survive as a democracy if a government tries to stop parents from cutting off their 13-year-old daughter's breasts? Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you going to do about that? And your eight-year-old son's penis. This is what happens. I mean, we let Trump get elected in 2016, and now we have this. You know? Told you he was like Hitler. All right. But the next... <laughs> To me, a couple crazier things. Rachel Levine, um, HHS, I believe. No, what I can't remember what she, what she does. See how nice I am. Um, Chief Nerd, no, that's not Greg Price. No, that's not it. Libs of TikTok, there we go. I heard this one and I thought it was very much well, Rachel terrible. Levine is a pediatrician and the assistant secretary for the Department of Health and Human Services. She's the highest ranking openly transgender federal official in the country. What would you say to folks who think that they're being reasonable by saying, why can't children just wait till they're 18? Adolescence is hard and puberty is hard. What if you're going through the wrong puberty? What if you inside feel that you are female, but now you're going through a male puberty? The argument is, well, they're too young to know. 
I want to make it clear that for prepubertal children, there are no medical procedures done. The standard of care allows them to explore that um, with therapy. The uh, the most ridiculous part of this is <coughs> imagine if you are going through, you feel like you're a woman, a female, and you're going through male puberty. So what if you're going through the wrong puberty? And my contention with that would be, um, how the hell is a kid who hasn't gone through puberty supposed to know <laughs> whether that's not going, the right or wrong one? Like, of course it feels yeah. wrong. You know, that's not something we talked about. Like, does this feel wrong? Like, I don't, yeah, I feel different than I used to, I guess. Not really something that you talked a lot about. You go to a girl who's about to go through puberty. Like, does this feel wrong? Do you like the way that your body's changing? Do you She's feel crying to herself to sleep mm -hmm. at night because her balls haven't dropped and she can still wear regular bikinis? <laughs> I know. It's it's tragic. <laughs> it's tragic stuff. Tragic. Yeah. It's tragic. Charlie. <laughs> um you don't yeah. know that as a kid. And of mm -hmm. course it's going to feel uncomfortable. Of course it's going to feel wrong because it's something you've never felt before. So that being the basis of you deciding that you're going through the wrong puberty when you have no idea what the hell puberty is or what you're going to feel like afterwards, that is disgusting to me. It's downright disgusting. Yeah. So there's that video from Rachel Levine and we're going to, tack one on here that's going to bring in some COVID and some other stuff, but it does um, also bring in the trans and BIPOC lives, but it's going to have to do with masking. And we're going to tack it on to number nine because it's a nice culture war uh, combination between uh, masking and, and culture. Being optional is whether or not disabled people and immunocompromised people get to live. That is the option that you're making. And you are consistently choosing your own comfort over marginalized people's This is about not wearing a mask, by the way. Lives. And you know what that is? That's white supremacy in action. <laughs> if you are in the health and wellness industry and you're not masking, either start masking or change your career. That's it. If you are not here for preventative care to help disabled and immunocompromised people, then you're in the wrong industry. You are, and you're just in that industry for your own ego. So you need to either get some integrity or quit your job, seriously. Because my life and my community's lives are on the line because you just don't feel like masking and I'm over it. I had to walk into my doctor's office today and not one person in the waiting room and on the staff was masking except for my practitioner who always masks my doctor's office. That's not optional for me. That is forcing me to walk into a space where I am unsafe and I'm putting my health at risk so I can go see my doctor. And if I get sick, I'm a visibly trans person. The <laughs> likelihood that I will get a doctor who thinks I should be dead is actually very high, especially with where I'm at. I have had doctors comment on my post telling me that they think trans people should die. There have been people in our communities that have been laughed at by paramedics while they bleed out in the streets because they think being trans is some funny joke and they died. That is the reality for trans. I'll take things that never happened for $1 million, Charlie. You just laughed at her, too. <laughs> I know. Or him. Him, her. I'm not sure what's going yeah. on. Them. It's you just laughed at they. them. They. No. I laughed at them. Uh, so, yeah, not masking is white supremacy and is putting trans and BIPOC people uh, 
in danger. You can make the same argument, by the way. Like, you know, stop. You can make the same argument against this person, which is like, stop pushing your morality onto other people, you know, because of your own discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're trying to push this agenda to make yourself feel better, like forcing people to go along with it. You can make the same argument. Yeah, but they're right and you're wrong. I know. That's the thing. That's where the problem happens. Well, the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's, uh, let's get these votes. He was in. a man. He had a beard. <laughs> God, that joke from Norm MacDonald talking about, you know, the rapidly rising, uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, Number two, let me explain here for a second. Number two is going to be called, what did I name it? Something to do with climate change. Uh, for for number two, and it's going to have a few things here. You just you just named it climate change. Okay, Spike Cohen. You heard of Spike Cohen? <clears throat> I think so. Who's yeah. that? Who's that guy? Um, is the the nipple guy, the nipple king? Oh, okay. There we go. That guy. Now I know who it is. Uh, he's he basically talks about how if you're worried about man-made greenhouse gases, if you're worried about CO2 emissions, then you should be focusing on the Asian nations, specifically China, who is increasing their emissions and is the largest portion of the emissions. Okay, that's where most of them are coming from. And this guy, uh, Eric Davis, who in his name has in parentheses that he was legacy verified. Mm. But he ain't paying for it. He's not going to pay for it, but he wants everyone to know that he used to be legacy verified in his name. So take him seriously. Mm. All right, because he knew somebody. He said, uh, Charlie, go ahead. He said, always fun when a person with no education on a topic tries to use a gotcha and shows how little they know. Spike, while we do need to reduce overall global emissions per year, this is about cumulative. This is about cumulative. Cumulative. I don't know why I couldn't say that word this morning. It's too early. early. It's early right now. Cumulative emissions. I'll give you one guess which nation leads that. So I just want to clarify what he says the problem is. It's not how much countries are emitting right now. It's what their total is over time. And that's somehow what we need to fix. Mm. So Eric, I assume, has a time machine. And we're going to go back and remove some of them. I think we don't want to just... From the 60s and 70s? Yeah, we don't just want to go to net zero. We have to go to net negative. We have to stop everything, and we actually have to be removing. We have to have no carbon emissions, but also we have to be removing carbon from the atmosphere at the same time to make up... It's carbon reparations, Mm. actually, is what it is. That's... That's that's what we have to do. So Bailey just said, climate change reparations. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I don't even have the chat up. Nice. That's good. And Copperhead said, unrealized climate emissions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so these are just unrealized. That's it. If you're like, you're talking about climate policy, the the thing is, almost nothing that we do matters when it comes to emissions. It could matter some, but as China and India are ramping up their emissions, we're just going to end up sending ourselves back to the Stone Ages while they are just growing their own economic, they're just flourishing, you know, doing better and better as they come out of their terrible, terrible economic problems they've had over a long time. And so if you're going to worry about it, 
you got to see if China's going to do something. If they're not going to do anything, then what are we doing here? Other than paying a bunch of people who have green companies. Well, which is not what a, we're doing here. It's not about climate change. What's it about? We know that. It's a way to funnel money. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to get people stirred up enough about it, then you can funnel money in any direction you want to. And people will be like, oh, yeah, it's good. We're spending money there. Uh, so one of the things uh, that's been happening, I don't know if you've seen the news, but everyone is all up in arms about this climate crisis because it's been really hot lately. Mm. All right. And uh, that Phoenix, one of the common. Uh, yeah. So kinda, is that it looks Phoenixy. Oh, the people. says Phoenix Fire Department. Yeah. That's so you're telling Phoenix. me that it's hot in the desert. So one of the things they've been talking about is that they're treating burn victims, you know, people who fell on the ground. Hmm. Um, are getting burned. And uh, I don't know how often that's actually happening. One of the common... Can they sue the ground? Like you can sue McDonald's I mean, for I hot think coffee? You got you to gotta sue whoever put the pavement in, I think. Mm. You know, the government. So yeah. good luck with that. Heat waves in US and Europe would have been virtually impossible <laughs> without climate change. New report finds. So they also find that there's been several of these heat waves and... and they give this 120,000 year number every once in a while or however many years it's been. So first off, it's not virtually impossible. It's happened thousands of times if you go by uh, even their data. Um, they are saying it's happening more frequently, more likely to happen. It's hotter, whatever. We don't even have to talk about that because I looked through the article and I found something that's just really dumb in here as they're talking about the heat waves. Um, let's see. I'll start with the quote. We still have time to secure a safe and healthy future, but we urgently need to stop burning fossil fuels and invest in decreasing vulnerability. If we do not, tens of thousands of people will keep dying from heat related causes each year. Mm, this is the next pandemic. Heat waves are one of the deadliest natural hazards. More than 61,000 people died of heat related deaths during Europe's record breaking heat wave last year, according to a recent study there's also no air conditioning in europe that's their fault do you know what else <laughs> that study found what's that they're like five times more than that died from cold <laughs> okay so in this paragraph they say heat waves are one of the deadliest natural hazards here not as deadly as cold <laughs> waves you know what's more deadliest natural hazard than heat waves cold waves cold <laughs> yeah but we need to cool the earth yes yeah so that is the the dumbest thing I found in this article. And uh, it annoys me when they, they pick this one thing. It's like if they can decrease people dying from heat waves. Okay, it's 61,000. We got to get that down to 30. But they're not paying attention to like the 300,000 people that died from the cold waves mm. as they came through. And that could increase by more than the decrease in the heat waves. In fact, when you look at the, if you read a book like Apocalypse Never... Or, uh, wow, what That's Michael other... Schellenberger, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's Michael Schellenberger. That's a really good book. And then there's another great one. I always forget the name of it. Um, they will say that actually people dying from heat waves uh, is one of the benefits, in quotes, of climate change. Now, he clarifies that there is not a net benefit from the Earth getting hotter. But if you single that down to deaths from temperature, then climate change is actually a benefit because you will have less people dying from extreme temperatures because more people die from cold than die from heat. Mm. So uh, speaking of, you know, so every, we, 
So you're saying we need to emit more carbon emissions to, for that specific number? Yeah. Okay. If yeah. you want to, if you're, I don't like people dying from deaths. cold. I don't yeah. like being, you know, too cold. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather be too cold than too hot. Not me. I would, for sure. But I grew up in the south. Oh yeah, down there in Louisiana. Um, which by see. the way is one of the wettest heats you'll find. It's a wet heat. It's mm-hmm. uh, you go outside, it's heavy. You know, it's just heavy. When you talk about, uh, let me just tell my personal story here. You would think, you know, I was in, I was in Abu Dhabi, mm. and it was 115 degrees outside. Okay. That's a lot of climate change out there. It was very. It used to be like 114 degrees, and it was 115. <laughs> it's probably 116 now. Yeah. And um, you'd think like, well, but you're out there in UAE. You know, it's a dry heat. No, it was like 70 percent humidity out mm. there, and it was so hot and wet that our drummer wore all of the skin off of his hands because the sticks were so sticky while he was trying to play that he wore all the skin off of his hands while we were playing. So he's skinless now. It was skinless drummer. Yeah. Yeah. He was beating the skins, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) So, um, the, uh, how, how, how are his hands now? Did they recover? No, they're okay. Yeah. Did he, the, he still have, did he get skin no. back? No, he got, he took the skin from his face and put it on his hands and <laughs> looks awful, but he can play just fine. Climate skin. Yeah. Yeah. What so, a tragedy. You know how people have been dying suddenly, you know, you heard about people dying suddenly mm. and it, it, sudden death. We do this annoying thing where every like time in sports <clears throat> in sports, sudden death, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or they have a cardiac arrest really quickly and people are <clears throat> talking about it and then they'll say, obviously it's a vaccine. That one still annoys me by the way because there's a lot of reasons that people can have cardiac arrest and also we didn't used to publicize it quite as much and it didn't used to get as many retweets uh, as it used to reexes as it uh, as it used to <clears throat> so blaming someone's cardiac arrest on the vaccine is as dumb as blaming a hurricane on climate change just so everyone knows mm. doesn't mean that you shouldn't look at the numbers and see if there's something wrong going on but there's a new narrative out there because a lot of people have been having these sudden cardiac events. All right. The new narrative is. I mean, Norm MacDonald talked about this a lot, <laughs> though. Your heart will attack and kill you. The new, the new narrative is climate change is causing blood clots mm. right now. And so if we can blame all of this on climate change, I think that would be better. Uh, <laughs> your blood thickens as it gets hotter, as most things do. And then uh, you can have a blood clot, you know. What? And in fact, if you look up, I'm not going to put all the stuff up here, but there is a lot of articles disproving this idea. Yeah, but um, heat increases blood flow. Yeah, it opens up the vessels. Since when does the stuff thicken when you get it hot? (laughs) Is that a thing? Uh, I can think of a few things. You ever? You know, you're not supposed to check the oil in your car when it's hot, mm. you know, because it ex- it can expand. Okay, so anyway, um, that's number two, climate change. Let's clap for that, you stupid bastards.